when we were first here. Oh, we I feel like Oprah right to, now, getting the tea. First getting to know her, we, we were talking <laughs> and repeatedly she would call me Obama. Um, just out of nowhere. You know? <laughs> and, I, and the first time I was like, what? Yo. And I correct her. And, and then she continued to do it. And it's just one of those things where we're exactly, we're all laughing about it. It's funny, but like, and again, I don't think she meant anything by it, but Nah, it's nigga, that, she definitely meant it, everything by that, It's one of those things bro. where it's like, huh? Welcome to Off The Rip with your hosts that front like they know the most. We talking smack about whoever, whatever is currently on our minds. We ain't no experts, so don't get hurt if we say something that rubs you the wrong way. This is a place where ideas get thrown out and tossed around. If you can't take the heat, get up out the kitchen. We about to serve them up. It's Reem D, Mook and Shiz. It's Off The Rip. Nothing in common. I'm about to go off the rip right here. Um, we got a new uh, doc that dropped on Netflix, a new season of Last Chance U. Um, we want to cover this extensively, and so we're just going to give our preliminary thoughts on it. Uh, what are some of the things that you guys are thinking of right now? Okay, so the first thing I want to go out and say is pretty much that I think this is the best season of Last Chance U, and... I know some people have thought like maybe because it's just the basketball season, but I think this is the first time on last chance you we've actually seen a winning program. Mm. Like every other season, the teams are going like five and five, like seven and five. Like you got like some average ass teams and like they built them up from the beginning as having like this incredibly talented roster. And then they get on the field and then they're just like a regular ass team. Mm. You know what I'm saying like, you like, you know, like, it seems like every game these dudes is walking on the field and losing. So I think that's one of the main reasons why I like this because you could actually see that even in winning environments, everything's not all roses. Because people think when you're winning, everything's perfectly fine. People don't have their own other, you know, things going on off the court, you know, dealing with mental health, mental issues and dealing with just everyday life and stuff. They think that, you know, when everything's winning, you know, everybody's winning, everybody's in a good mood, you know. So I thought this was a very good perspective so far. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy too, Mook, because even when – and you knew, like, they were losing momentum, like, throughout games when, the like, the music shifted. But then yeah. when you looked up at the scoreboard, they were still, like, up 20. But they were just, exactly. like, having, like, a – it was just kind of – it reminded me of, like, us in our co-ed league where we're like up 20 and we're just, we just get lackadaisical and like people start to make a little run. So I'm just like, but it was cool because just, just the entire coaching staff and just like the, the environment that they were in. Like sometimes I feel like coaches fake it for like Netflix, but like you could just tell like coach Mosley, the, the head coach of the team. And I forget the assistant coach's name and the guy in a wheelchair like they were just, they really cared about those kids and they wanted the best for them. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it for the relationship that is showing with the uh, black men. Mm. Just, there's so many nuances and, and so many dynamics that go on. And, uh, you know, just for the field that we work in, um, working with kids and mental health and whatnot, just, it was really um, a parallel process <laughs> to to say to say something that we say a lot in work, but it, it really makes me want to share it with um, a lot of the scholars I work with and just have them not even say this is right or this is wrong, but just 
just to watch it and just see what pro- see how they process and what comes up for them. Yeah. Each one of these, each one of these young uh, gentlemen's stories, um, there's something to learn. There's something even like y'all said, even from the coaches, there's something to learn. Um, not just about yourself, but about being on a team and about leadership. And like you said, Mook, uh, winning is not all roses. And people try to say winning washes the stink away. But, uh, you know, there's stuff that there's very real stuff that goes on that happens. And I think uh, Last Chance U does a really good job at showing that. I'm excited to I'm on the sixth episode. I'm excited to finish it up. Yeah, I would just I would echo a lot what you guys are saying, but I think for me, I, I always enjoy like the relationships for a docu-series like this and kind of seeing like how a team interacts with each other, how they interact with the coaches and stuff and just the the stories of, of the, the students' lives. So I think that's the cool thing that I'll be interested in just kind of continuing to to follow through with. Yeah. One of like one of my favorite things about TV shows like this is nothing can be scripted. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, they know the cameras are there, but real emotions are really shown out here. You know, like, a lot of times in, during Last Chance you, you can see real emotions happen. Everybody knows the cameras are there and stuff like that. But when you're on a field or when you're on a basketball court, that camera means nothing to you. Mm. At the end of the day, you, you're out here playing. You know, this is these are their, their livelihoods right now. They're trying to get to the next level. And mm. when they're on these courts and playing these games and stuff like that, you know, they're not concerned about, like, you've seen the kid, like, you know, walk off the court one time. Like, you know, stuff like that really happens. Like, this is real-life stuff. That's why I love, you know, TV shows, because the, the, this can't be scripted, you know. They can't script a score. They can't script, you know, how an outcome of a game goes. Like, it's just, this is what's actually going on. There's no, okay, cut, like, stop. We need to redo that scene, you know. So that's what I love about the um these docuseries like that. Yeah, shout out to Coach Mosley because um, Indeed talked about it too, like it being a parallel process because you talk about LJ who I think in the first scene walks out and has this tantrum in the locker room, but being able to control that, the different temperaments on the team and being able to rail them in um, rather than destroying the the overall like cohesion of the group. Um, and I think he does a really good job at doing that. Um, and to your point, Mook, like, Everything is raw and it's uncut. Everything's unscripted. So, who's your? I will let's 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 end with this. Who's your favorite um, player in the series? Uh, mine is either. I, I really like Deshaun. Yeah. Uh, I, I I admire his story and what he's going through. I feel like he's he's misunderstood. Um, he's working on so much, but it's like you still have so much to work on. So I'm really rooting for him. I think one of the coaches coaches says he's the most likable asshole. Yeah, I love and, that comment. Know, something I relate to that, and uh, so I want to see him succeed. Yeah, him and, and KJ because KJ dunks everything. KJ's yeah. a beast. KJ's an animal. And and to Dee's point, remember when um he was having a conversation with the producer and he said, you know, who like how do people view you? And he said like an asshole. And he said, do you think that's true? And he said, no, I just think I'm dealing with like the toughest time in my life you know what I mean so yeah. I thought that was kind of cool but I, I I like KJ a lot because KJ yeah. that dude's a bucket yeah yo as crazy as it sounds like I first hated um what's his name Joe Hampton yes I first yeah. hated him but like now you're kind of starting I don't know maybe I haven't finished this uh, the whole thing through but like now you're kind of seeing like a different side of him yeah and like you could actually see like he's not a bad person mm-hmm 
like you could see like he's kind of maturing. I don't know if it's just the way that they, they're you know portraying it on the screen and to try to kind of make you like him. But it yeah. seems like when you get him off the court, he seems like the best possible kid. Like I remember one time they were all in that classroom and he was talking about like, man, like, cause he was like, yo mom, I forgot what kid said like, oh, my mom's not even gonna come to a graduation. So he was talking about, man, a year ago, I was in a completely different space. Shit, that's your mom. She gonna beat it. So mm. you can see like, you know, he's a great person off the court and obviously like he lets his emotions get the best of him. But I'm starting to I'm starting to actually really like him because he's just a really interesting person. Yeah, not he, just that move, but he also um he also showed humility and in in, in in uh was humble when Malik, the guy who's starting over him, was asking him, like, yo, how do you get to your spots? Oh, yeah, yeah. How do you yeah, score? Nice. Yeah. And you know, it's it's like Joe clearly wants to start and should start. Yeah. And the fact that he was put that to the side and was like, yo, let me help Malik out. And, and let me show him what I do. I thought that was dope as well. It showed a lot of character growth. Yeah. Exactly. Malik's funny as hell, too. Like, <laughs> some of the stuff he be saying, he's funny as hell. Yeah, disillusional, man. Yeah. Disillusional. Yeah. Now, uh, in, in more recent news, we have a bunch going on with Meghan Markle and her son, and Prince Harry, um, what's been going on in the news? They did an interview with Oprah Winfrey, and in that interview, Megan talked about how she was treated um, and how there was a royal member of the family who was questioning the skin of her, like how dark her child was going to be, and just the rudeness and the difference in the way that she gets covered versus uh, Kate Middleton gets covered, uh, Prince Harry's brother's wife. Uh, who was a white woman. And uh, during all this, there's been a bunch of backlash. Um, again, Megan was talking about how that affected her, how she was depressed and um, at some point suicidal, saying she didn't want to be alive anymore. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of hoopla going on about it. Um, and on Good Morning Britain, uh, host Piers Morgan uh, went on a whole rant about how Meghan Markle was being disrespectful to the to the throne, to the royal family and whatnot. And it just came off extremely ignorant and extremely racist. And uh, when he when Pierce Morgan was called out by uh, one of his co-stars for it, he got up and walked off the set and then promptly quit afterwards. And uh, what I wanted to highlight about this was not more so what went on with Pierce Morgan and his comments, because you can look that up. That's pretty much plain as day. Um, but more so, I wanted to highlight the, the issue of colorism and also just being in uh, multiracial relationships, as each of you all are. Um, and I just wanted to just pick y'all brains and, and see if anything came up or um, if y'all can relate or just anything um for me i i watched the the walkout segment um i think the guy that he was having a conf conversation with was really just trying to have a conversation and really just trying to pick his brain around what was said um but i think the action of walking out was pathetic i thought it was very childish mm -hmm. um and <laughs> to be honest with you being 
he was put on the spot on yeah, national television. He got television. called out. He got he called, got called out, out and, and, and he got exposed. And you know, I think once it hits, there has to be some truth for it in order for you to walk off of a, a nationally televised show and then quit later on. I mean, there has to be some truth to that. And I think he hit him in a sore spot. And I think he was unable to deal with that pressure. And I think what he said was, yo, I just wanted him to listen. Like, I, I didn't want him to quit. Like, you know, we've had past relationships. And I think we've all had, we all have, you know, friends who are white. And we have conversations with them. But, you know, if you take it to heart like that, like the, at the end of the day, that has nothing to do with the anchor man who was just trying to have a conversation that had everything to do with him. I think it was. And also in the way that projection Gordon was spewing off. Like right, spewing off of so much virtual and just uh being loud and and being demonstrative versus yep. the his co-host who was legit sitting there trying to have a conversation. Right, and it's just again when you see uh white men, uh white people get called out, and then they just it's like they revert back into a baby, mm-hmm. and they throw a tantrum. They become yep. toddlers, like when yeah. you question their whether they're uh. You question their their or whether they feel um entitled to something or not, and then their privilege is taken away or potentially taken away. Then it's like they have to be the loudest person in the room. They have to be the biggest person in the room, you know. And then he just storms off and walks off. And this again is another case. He says that he quit, but I guarantee you, Good Morning Britain fired him. But they don't. They couldn't do it in his contract, so mm. he probably arranged for something saying that you know what, I quit. So again, we were talking about how different people get released from shows last week or from shows from jobs last week. And I think this is another example of someone getting quit, but someone getting fired, but getting away with quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also kind of goes back to where you guys are saying, like people have a tough time when they're challenged like that um, on the spot. And it's like it, for him, obviously he, he couldn't handle it. He couldn't deal with it. I think it speaks to, I mean, from what I've seen, the kind of person that he is in terms of what he talks about. And I think he was pretty open and sharing. These are my comments. You know, I, I have uh, freedom of speech and I'll die on that hill. And he's kind of trying to um, not excuse, but explain his comments because of that. And, you know, that's a I feel like that's always a separate conversation when you start to bring in your free speech rights into making certain comments about that or even being able to back up your comments. And I think that's the thing that kind of frustrated me is that he you know, caused this this woman out for possibly lying about being suicidal, which again, for me is a whole different conversation that it right. is infuriating to hear somebody challenge somebody's feelings like that. But then it's like, as if he doesn't feel any, like he feels no remorse about that. I don't think he understands the, uh, the magnitude of that to say something like that. And the power that he has being somebody who's well-recognized and has his platform to call somebody out and say they're lying about their suicide, uh, suicidal thoughts. Like, what does that do for anybody else that is having suicidal thoughts? And, and that's um, the point that the co-host brought up, too. He said, you you don't understand mm-hmm. how much weight your voice carries. Like, when you mm-hmm. say things like that, yeah, you're entitled to your opinion, but you're speaking to the masses. Like, people right. listen to you. And that's the thing is people love to balance that. Like he went on Twitter right away and was talking to his Twitter followers and explaining his reasoning. And so clearly he knows he has a following. Clearly he knows he has influence. But then, as you said, Shiz, when he, when somebody points it out to him, oh, no, no, no. Like, you know, I'm going to speak my mind. People don't have to listen to me. People don't have to follow me. 
it, it, we've been seeing this a lot with a lot of, you know, influential people, but they, they pick and choose when they want to be followed. Right. They pick and choose when they want their followers or supporters to listen to them and when they just want to speak their mind. And I think for me, like, that's the thing that pissed me off about this story is that he just tries to play it off. Like, Oh, it's just free speech. It's just, it's just me stating my opinion. Like you have every right to state your opinion, but have some, have some fucking self-awareness to people and what they're dealing with right now. Like it, people like that, just, just, just piss me off when they can just go on TV, share their point of view in such a careless and just inconsiderate way and feel like there's no repercussions at all for it and have no remorse about, you know, what they're saying or the impacts it has on people, you know? Yeah. And just the, the overall entitlement of thinking that like, not even the overall entitlement of not having to be self-aware of how you sound, like not even being aware, like, Oh, this could come off as racist. This could come off as I have a personal vendetta with Meghan Markle, if I do this. But it's like, clearly you don't care. Right. And um, just in general, it brings up a bigger a bigger point of, and a bigger question of really looking at uh, the colorism and racism in Britain and, and in Europe and the colonialism. And like, is it, for some people, is it really that hard to imagine uh, that the monarch in Britain is maybe making comments about someone's racial, about their, their skin color or the skin tone. Like, is it that far of a leap to believe that? And also I'm just sick and tired of people who are being, who do racist shit, come out and say, yo, I'm not racist or I'm not a racist. They got to change that to, I don't want to be a racist, but I did something racist. That's what I would rather hear. Cause you can't, you can't, you can't, it's a contradictory statement, right? Like you can't, you can't be out here making these comments and then say, yo, I'm not racist. Like I'm cool. And that's going to tie into some of the topics we got later, but yeah, I just thought it was um, an interesting conversation. I thought it's relevant, even though it's about the, uh, you know, Meghan Markle and the Prince and Prince Harry, not something that we usually probably would cover. Uh, but I think it's, it's worth highlighting. Yeah, I think it just could have been a, it could have been a completely different conversation. It could have been an opportunity for like him to build and to admit like, you know what? I see it from your your perspective. Like, you know, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have gone through those specific channels to express how I feel. And then, you know, it could have been a, an, an opportunity for him to build off of that. But instead, him storming off and and then quitting a day later is just like. Come on, bro. Yeah, it- he had he had an opportunity to not even correct himself but just rephrase and he didn't uh and and that's that's unfortunate to see you know he he didn't have that time to really reflect and realize i i might want to you know reconsider what i just said and and think about how this might affect my future but hey you know he's gonna do what he's gonna do yeah man cool that's the end of that segment i like how y'all dodged my question about being in interracial relationships but all right yeah so uh in other news about people being racist but claiming that they're not racist uh we have a gop senator saying uh saying that people not everybody should be voting and that voter suppression uh should be should be more used should be more uh relevant more available and um this just this made me think about how so many of our people 
uh, so many people from of the culture will be like, yo, I don't vote because voting is that's that's not gonna get nothing done. My vote doesn't mean nothing, or we're just voting for for uh, the system or whatever, so on and so forth. Um, but to me, with voter suppression, and then again, this very real um, example of how voter suppression is still being used today, I think it highlights how they're trying purposefully and actively to not let people from our culture vote. And so if they're trying on purpose to not let us do something, then there's, to me, there might be some importance behind doing it. I mean, how much research have we seen now that says that, you know, a majority of, uh, especially younger people are voting um, more democratic, or at least they're getting away from voting more Republican, uh, more conservative. Like there, and there's been so many conversations and uh, quotes of people saying that, you know, there's not enough people voting Republican. There's not enough people voting on this side. So voter suppression laws try to balance that out, try to limit that because a lot of Republicans, I shouldn't say a lot, Republicans feel that they don't have the support that they wish they had. Um, their views, things like things have changed over times and their views have become so uh, different in terms of our culture and what we look at now that, you know, people can't agree with them. People can't agree with uh, voter suppression laws. They can't agree with some of these uh, healthcare laws. They can't agree with a lot of these things that Republican parties are trying to push forward. And they see that and they see that they're, a lot of their supporters are, are having more open minds to a lot of their topics and conversations. It just continues to be a, an issue that they continue to, to try to cover up, but it's not working so well. Yo, according to CNN, there's 250 bills in circulation right now uh, to, like, roll back voter access. That shit is crazy. Yeah, see, they lose the election and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> They're making sure nothing gets passed. Right, it can never happen again. Exactly. Mm. And that's, that's also the Republicans, are, I feel, the main reason why they'll never allow the electoral college to leave because they realize Republicans can never win a popular election. Mm. Like they'll never be able to do it. And that's one of the main reasons why the electoral college, which I think is a stupid form of way of winning the election anyway, but they'll never get rid of it because of, you know, the fact that, you know, the masses this year, how many people do we have vote in um, this year's election? I know it's the highest number of, votes ever in election because they said that the most votes a person has ever gotten was biden this year and then trump would have finished like third for most votes of all time so it shows that more people are going to the polls which is good so even though they try to suppress votes and try to get rid of um people um being able to go to polls like you know random stuff putting like the fake um ballot boxes out there just to try to get the yeah, over yeah, over 159 million people voted in the 2020 election. But yeah, and you think about the circumstances of that, and people having to mail in their votes, people having to do early ballot voting, people having to travel hours and then wait in line for hours and hours to get those votes in. Like that 159 really speaks volumes because of everything that happened in 2020. But it's just the narrative that the Republicans continue to push around. Oh, you know, voting fraud even within the mail-in vote. So it's just like, you know, you got people like these Trump supporters, right? 
who take that because they all they all read surface level shit and then they'll take that and then we've seen cases where certain usps like mailing like the little mailing stations are being removed out of certain areas yeah because after trump was about to lose the election this was like the night of um the election remember how he came out and said like oh the the votes are being um miscounted and he only would say specific areas that have high urban populations so i think i want to say he called out detroit he called out atlanta as the places that had fraudulent votes he never went and said oh the voters in miami or orlando or you know other cities that he was winning in that was never his issue it was only the places that you know he was losing in that he would have this problem with them counting votes so like he they were trying to you could tell the republicans were trying to like start that agenda from that night on because he was talking about how they shouldn't count a mail-in ballots but he was also the same person that had came out and said don't mail in your ballots go to <laughs> the polls so then he's like how is it that all the d- democrats are getting all the voting ballots well, because you told all your supporters to go in the polls and vote for you. So it's funny to see how how his own his own doing was his own demise. It was kind of like the last episode of WandaVision. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole voter fraud argument conversation is just kind of, I think it's been brought to light so much more now that people realize it's not as big of an issue as it was made to seem like the the counts of actual voter fraud are pretty minuscule um and i think that was one of the things that caused so much frustration for people when they'd have these conversations is they were claiming that there was millions and millions or hundreds of thousands of voter fraud which would have been the first time ever in a voting uh in in a year with uh, voting for the democratic or, or the presidential election it just doesn't happen. You don't see voter fraud like that. And that's the thing that the party is trying to sell is that there's a lot of voter fraud. We just got to catch it. We got to be careful. So we got to do this. We got to put this line. But, you know, research and statistics would show that's not the case. That's not what's happening. Well, uh, that ends our segment on uh, voter suppression and the grand old party and the Republicans and all that jazz. I can't stay all right, and so we got another story here, just adding to the the topics of race and just poor choices, really, over the past couple of weeks. So on Thursday, we had a girls basketball game in Oklahoma, and uh, during the beginning of the game, the teams were getting ready for the national anthem, and a commentator for the game was caught on live stream. Um, calling the girls of the team fucking niggers for kneeling during the anthem. Um, They were unaware that their mic was still being recording during the uh, live broadcast and later on was then uh, heard stating, uh, I hope they fucking lose, fuck them. So the Midwest City... uh, conference where these girls are playing out of Oklahoma released a statement that they're aware of the comments that have been made and that these announcers will no longer be um, on any of the games going forward but nonetheless it's recorded it was on live broadcast it's all 
over social media and the internet now. So it, it's up at this point. Um, and, and as I said, it goes back to just another addition of somebody making racist comments, saying something, thinking that nobody can hear. Uh, Ever, and, oh, not even thinking that nobody can hear because we also have Myers Leonard this week who got caught mm-hmm. on live stream with Ninja, who's one of the biggest live streamers saying a anti-Semitic slur. And he let that shit roll off his tongue like he let that fly. He paused, like, too, before he, he, he paused, said it, too. He worked yeah, he, himself it up. It seemed like he was racking his brain to say something worse, and then he landed on that word. Yo, speaking of hot mics, we got the Georgetown law professor who got fired. She said, I hate to say this. I ended up having this, you know, angst every semester that a lot of my lower ones are. Blacks. <laughs> Happens almost every semester. And it's like, oh, come on. You know, got some really good ones, but they're usually the ones that are getting the lowest grades. She was let go. And I got two problems with all these situations. (laughs) One problem is it always comes out, oh, we're doing an investigation to see what happens. What is there to investigate? It's recorded, bro. (laughs) We've all seen it a thousand times now. Why are you launching an investigation now? One, two, we need to hold the people who are in there accountable, the people who are next to them accountable as well. I'm not mm-hmm. saying we need to, I'm, I know the one guy got fired, but the other guy who was with him, he needs to challenge him and be like, dude, that is not okay what you just said. Right. I know he was probably f- stuck and flabbergasted, but we need to move past that of being shocked and being aware. And we need to call these people out. If you're sitting next to somebody who does that, you, it is your job to call them out and be like, dog, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yo, but according to, um, like, for the Georgetown law professor, she was trying to resign before the story got out. So, like, she knew. She knew shit was coming. And they were like, I, I think, and Kareem, you were talking about, you said your brother goes to Georgetown, right? Yeah. And they got her ass out of there. Yeah. Well, so you also have to talk about these lame-ass excuses that these people put out, too. Oh, right. yeah. So let's talk accountability for a second. So, yeah. with this basketball game, this announcer later um, posted a um, a statement apologizing for what he said and stating that the reason why he used this slur was because he is a type one diabetic um, and his blood sugar was low. (laughs) No bullshit. You know what the first thing I thought about? The first thing I thought about when he said that, it was I was thinking of the Snickers ass. Yep, exactly. (laughs) It's not yourself when you're angry. I guess you're just a Klansman. Yo, that's what the commercial would be. (laughs) Here, have a Snickers. (laughs) So with that, the two things that came to my mind was who told him that was a good idea to say that? Like, to to make that an excuse, right? Yo, like, for real. Like, you need to fire your PR team. Like, yo, we need to to release something. Like, that's it. That's it right here. Yeah, yeah, release that. Release that. (laughs) Oh, you got type 1 diabetes? Perfect. I got you. Let's go. Like Now, you know what? Now, whether I got asthma, that's why I'm misogynistic. Every time I cough, I got to hate on women. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Symptoms for type 1 diabetes, racist slurs. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what, bro? (laughs) I was like, I was like, not that I'm giving him an excuse, but I was like, bro, like, you could have came up with a better reason for why that slipped up. I would have blamed Tourette's or something. <laughs> Bro, or not even that. Like, you can't even, you can't even, there's no excuse yeah, for there that. There is no excuse. No. Like, that's, that's, that's out there now. <laughs> well, 
Like, you got to own it. Like, yeah, yo. I, that's up to it. I said that. That's the thing, too, is he says something like that, but then in the statement says, I'm not racist. That's that's not me. Like, that's my point, Kareem. make an offhanded yeah. comment like <laughs> right. that in a girls basketball game just because you see somebody kneeling and then also go ahead and say you're not racist. Like you said, D, they, those two don't make sense. They don't align. They're contradicting <laughs> statements. So it's it, just silly for people to continue to use that excuse that oh i said this i said that but i'm not racist yeah I'm not this, nah, I'm not he was that. possessed like, by like the jim crow ghost said, bro like, i have black friends coming out <laughs> yeah, the jim crow ghost yo so, so like, say, i have black friends i can't be racist all right he's about to go through the whole list of excuses bro listen yeah. like i don't see color right <laughs> so like like first of all i hope he now realizes why those girls were kneeling right like, now you understand, and I know that the girls' school and everybody came out, and they all were supportive. The girls were um, denouncing the announcers, and they all took a picture where everybody was kneeling, and then the other team was kneeling as well. So it's like this is the reason why, one of the reasons why people are kneeling, and mm-hmm. it's just so obvious and evident that it's still there, that there's still a necessary need to demonstrate in a nonviolent way in protest. To show, uh, to show you, to to speak up for the cause, to show show up for the culture, right? Mm-hmm. And again, it's like I really wonder. I don't know, but I really wonder if this dude had the same energy from the dude storming the Capitol. Mm. Like that that makes me wonder about that. And then that right. also makes me think about Myers Leonard, who chose not to kneel in the bubble when everybody was kneeling. He made the choice not to kneel and stand up because he's a good Christian boy. And now he's over here saying these anti-Semitic slurs. Doing hate. And yo, now maybe it's like to get his ass out of the NBA. Now it's like he's yo, he, had a, he signed a ten million dollar contract this season. He's stealing money. Yeah, it's crazy. So, but it's I, just and, he, and again to say that in the in Florida in that community where it's a large Jewish population. Is it is and Mickey so, Arison Jewish? I'm not sure. Okay. But I mean, just it's a it's just his locker rooms, his his, his I, the relationships with the teammates now and the players. I know that's going to be hard and yeah. I want it to be hard for him. And his excuse too, Kareem, saying I didn't know what that word meant. Yeah, that's bullshit. No, no. You said I, that I way can't. too, way too yeah. loose. Yeah, way rolled too off quick. the tongue a little too, a little too smoothly. Wait, yeah. yeah. He thought he and, was on Xbox. And, 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 and with the professor, like, yo, how do you how do you get on there and you start talking like that? And don't project it on the, the black and brown students in your class. That got something to do with your teaching style. Mm-hmm. Don't put that on them. Yeah, my uh, Myers was what he was suspended. Um, Indef- yeah. Indefinitely. Indefinitely. Yeah. I think it's. I know he's fined fifty grand. Mm-hmm. And he has to go to classes and stuff. Also, did you see that? Um, um, Julian Edelman sent a uh, a letter to him. Yeah, I, yeah, I did it. Letter. Yeah, I did mm-hmm. see that. I didn't see yeah. that. What oh, was he saying? He just wants to sit down and have a conversation with him about. So Julia, Julian Edelman, I'm assuming, is Jewish then? Yeah. Okay. He did the same thing for um, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, was it last year, I want to say? Okay, yeah. So he's... He's uh he's he's done this multiple times too. So he's come out and you know obviously try to he tries to educate people. So I give him res- respect for that. And I, but, I liked what Julian said too. I don't have the quote on me, but he said something to the um something to the effects of, you know, just because that Myers didn't know what that meant, his ignorance helped create 
um, racism and anti-Semitism, you know, much quicker. Because when you just use a word casually like that, it just, it, it takes away from the meaning of the word. You know, when people try and use words like that or downplay what that means, um, it, it takes away from the power that that word has. And I just liked, again, how, however Julian phrased it, I think was very well put, but I think he spoke to to why that's such a problem, why it's such an issue for, for many of the different slurs that uh, people still use today. Because also, also in speaking of um, uh, slurs, um, I heard that uh, the G League found out who um, who came out and said uh, the thing, mm. the statement to uh, Jeremy Lin. I don't know coronavirus. Yeah, so I don't mm. know if they released the person's name that said it, no. but I know that they just found out who it was. Yeah, so I saw a report that Jeremy Lin and the, the league were working together with that person to, uh, um, you know, create dialogue, create conversation about it. Yeah, man, and that includes that segment, man, of people wilding out on hot mics. <laughs> Yo, honestly, though, off the rip topic, fuck all of them, bro. I want your <laughs> apology, nigga. Fuck out of here. That's how I really feel. Everybody's scared, bro. First of all, I'll run up on you right now. And crack no, you, you won't, in the face. bro. I'm too, I'm way too far out. You won't doing that. Come on now, you ain't doing that. Both Stop of y'all playing. can catch these ones and twos. <laughs> You're not doing deep. that. That's all right. Stop Hands bro. and elbows. Yo, you got anything for us, bro? We done. Man, last question I asked y'all. Y'all dodged that like Neo in the Matrix. <laughs> like Neo in the Matrix. Yeah, son. Mm. I was trying to you know, ask us the question vulnerable. again. You know, I was just asking how y'all, how I if anything fifth. came up, if anything I came up for fifth. y'all with that. All right, fifth. word. One, two, three, four, fifth. Fifth. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> what did you want to specifically ask us about? No, I was asking about just being in a uh, in a different race relationship. Just anything came up for y'all when you hear about a family questioning about uh, the skin of a baby. I will say, I, I mean, I feel like we probably all had some experience with it at some point, but it, it's, it's a, I would say it's a difficult conversation because of just the, um, how would I say, I think just like the, the background and relationships of the families, like depending on how well you, you know your family, like for, for speaking from my experience, like, yes, I've had comments made from my significant others that definitely was very questionable and definitely seemed very odd. But I feel like for me, it, it, everybody has to take those things differently and have to understand how they want to rationalize that, how they want to understand that, and how they want to have that conversation. And for me, like when I was first with my, when me and my fiance were first getting to know each other, it was something very different from how we handle that now. And I think that's kind of the big difference for, for us is that we've grown and being able to have conversations about stuff like that and be able to talk about you know, did did your did your grandma really say that? Did she really say something like that? Like, but, like you what, know. when you that was I was gonna ask, but I was gonna like what questionable. Never mind. I, I got a story. No, I'll, I got I'll, a story. Say, I'll say something no, real quick. I got I'll a story to tell. Oh, uh, go ahead. I'll say Lee. this real quick, Dean, and you can go. But um, you know, I see uh, my fiance side of the family and a a, side, uh, a member of her family. Um, when we were first here, uh, I feel like Oprah right to, now. Getting the tea. First getting to know her. We, we were talking and repeatedly she would call me Obama, um, just out of nowhere. 
And I, the first time I was like, what? Yo. And I correct her. Yo, I'm and, sorry, and then she continued to do it. And it's just one of those things where we're exactly, we're all laughing about it. It's funny, but like, and again, I don't think she meant anything by it, but. Nah, it's nigga, that, she definitely meant it, everything It's one of those by things that, where it's like, huh? Like, that's the yeah. name you think of? That's the only yeah. person of color name you can think of? Like, my name's Kareem. It, it, it stands Kobe. out. That shit's crazy. Like LeBron. 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 Yo. LeBron. LeBron. Yo. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's a no, French little we, fella. We did use him in the NBA All-Star game. I was about to say, damn, we just made it through another podcast without saying his name. Now we mentioned him in the first five minutes. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> now, um, I was going to say, Kareem, when I was in a relationship with my white girlfriend when I was in high school, uh, her grandmother, sweetest grandmother in the world, you know, just like when I first met her, it was like, oh, she, you know, the typical baked cookies and Oh, how are you doing, sweetie? Like, here's a couple dollars, grandma. And I was wearing uh like a Hawaiian shirt, man, with some palm trees on it, bro. And I came over and she was like, Oh, is that where your tribe's from? <laughs> yeah, that's, <crazy. laughs> Yo. that's what I, I had to do the WeeBay face for fucking from the wire and just stare like did she just yeah. I was like, nah. there's no palm trees in Zimbabwe. Thank you for trying, though. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Oh, and, and no, my tribe does not. No, no, I don't yes. have a tribe. Yo, yo, D, like you're man. from the island of Waikiki. She mixed up, yo, she mixed up all the races and yo. just threw it in one. D, like, D come in like on some coming to America shit when he pulled into the barbershop, like, hey, it's Kuta Kente. <laughs> yo, one time, another time, bro, I was nailing up signs for a tag sale and she was dropping up, dropping me and uh, my girlfriend off to nail signs at a pole it got hot out so i took my shirt off i had a tank top underneath and when i came back to the car what is she she said to me she said wow you just look so mean the way you're walking back and carrying that hammer nah i think i got a i got a one-up story and i'll be very clear this was my ex-girlfriend's family this was my ex-girlfriend's family Rashawn, you have no exes so um <laughs> My ex-girlfriend, it's the first time I met her dad, right? I get in the car. This dude goes, oh, shit, he's colored. <laughs> I'm, like, sitting there like, what? And she was like, she, I looked in the back, and she was shocked. She was looking at me. And then we go to, this when we were at Wheelock. So we go to the yard house, and I guess when I went to go and sit down, he went to the bathroom, and I think she went to go and follow him and be like, yo, that's that's unacceptable. Like, you can't joke like that, this and that. So then he proceeds to come back and he's trying to have a conversation with me and stuff. And he's just like, you know, man, like, you know, I have a I have some black guys that work for me. And, you know, uh, you, you know, I don't I don't see color. I didn't mean anything by that. Bro, bro. And I was like, it was just like this dude like struck out within the first 15 minutes of like me getting to know him. Mm. But I just want to reiterate right that was my ex girlfriend's dad and like the crazy thing about it is like do they think like because obviously like, you're always trying to make a good impression to like the girls like family the first time you meet them but like do they realize they're making a very bad impression like on you <laughs> bro all bets were off when he said that i'm like yo i, like, I was I like no respect for this dude because i was like at the end of the day like if i were to like ask for your daughter's hand in marriage like i'm thinking about that shit for the rest of my life. like do i really want to spend the rest of my life in this family Right, and that's why Meghan Markle and Prince Harry dipped. Exactly. Bring a yeah. full circle. 
facts. Very much so. That's why they dipped. And it's like, people are like, how could they do that? They're turning away all this money. Their life is so good. Like, how could like how could they even do that in a pandemic? Blah, 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 blah. But it's like, yo, it's, I can easily see how one step leads to another. Yo, did y'all listen to the interview? The Oprah, Oprah, one? The Oprah. yeah. Yo, I, like, and that's that's the that's another thing too, because it once Prince Harry and and Meg like explained it, right? It was they completely shut them off. Like once the pandemic started, they moved to Canada and they were like, "Yo, um, y'all, y'all, we, we're taking the, the royal security. Like y'all are on your own." Mm-hmm. And then the money stops coming in. Like, yo, so like they intentionally did stuff. Like they didn't want to separate. And Prince Harry was trying to speak to the royal family, and they were like, "Nah, like, <laughs> yeah." Shout out to y'all. Tyler Perry for holding him down. The Yo, Black sh- King for real, yeah. Moved, they moved nope. to L.A. They were staying at his crib, free, and using his security. For free. And security, his security is expensive. Yeah, security is expensive, man. That's why you see all these people with low rent security getting ran up on. Yeah, because they got their friend JoJo from down the block doing their security. Right. I need like paramilitary ex-Marines Green Beret guys doing my security. Yo, what's um what's Prince Harry's uh what's his father's name? Is Anybody it Andrew know? or William? Oh, well, that's the other thing. They Bro. got a pedophile in the family. Bro. They have Dude. a pedophile in the family mixed Man. up with the Jeffrey Epstein stuff that Bro. they're willing to defend yep. to the life, but they're throwing out Prince Harry and Meghan. Bro. And and as quiet as it's kept though, and I know y'all watched um what is it? The crown on Netflix and how he treated, Oh, how he treated her poor, how Princess Diana poorly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, words out that people think that, you know, he might've had something to do with her death. Cause he was out here messing with somebody else. Mm. So, I mean, so it's, it's deeper. We need, to get a, we need to get one of our black Queens on this podcast. Bro, it's, 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 it's deeper. I'm learning about this from my sister, bro. Yeah. Shout out to my sister Kiara. I call her Kiara X now, bro. Like she's on her her, her black militant shit. I ain't even. Oh, she a whole tap. She got Yo. the koofy. Dude. <laughs> my brother? <laughs> For real. <laughs> but um, Dr. Umar Johnson pop up. The spirit of Dr. Umar. Nah, not Dr. Umar, bro. Come on, bro. Chill out. But <laughs> the hat and shit. Out, yeah, exactly, yo. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, but that's what I'm saying. Like, people will take these little segments and then it goes back to full circle. Ring of around, uh, what's his name? Uh, Piers Morgan, him making comments like that. If you really listen to everything that they were saying, they didn't want to leave the royal family. The royal family just cut them off. Right. Mm. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, family relationships, like, stuff like that, it, it gets so difficult, you know? Like, you have to know so much about... That's why, like, all of us take, like, this view of, like, on the outside looking in, but none of us really know what's actually going on. And I think that's right. what makes it so difficult, is we don't know what kind of conversations they're having, you know, in, in the background or behind closed doors. We don't know what they've done already to to try to stop some of these behaviors, whether they're aware of it or not. Um, and I saw a dope tweet. Well, not a, 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 I shouldn't say dope. I should say a tweet that really made me think. And I see a lot of tweets. A lot of them are trash. But this tweet that I saw said, uh, the nuance with this situation is crazy. Meghan Markle was able to marry into the royal family because of colorism, but she's being kicked out the royal family because of anti-Black racism. Mm. So she was palatable enough that they let her in to begin with, that the marriage... Do you think Prince Harry would have shown up with a beautiful dark queen, newbie and queen? And how that would have went over? Could you imagine how that would have went over? <laughs> it's very true. Showed up with like a Lupita Nyong'o? Yeah, it's very true. 
would that be possible? So I just thought, yeah, it's the nuances and the intricacies and the intersectionalities are wild and run rampant. So mm. I just wanted well, to pick un- y'all. That's unfortunate. You see tweets like that, but you know where you always see great tweets always off the, let them know, let them know, Reem. let them know, Reem. always fire. Great. Beautiful. Amazing. <laughs> that was a great segue. Reem. That was nice, right? You can no, follow Mook, us. Take us oh, home. Mook. Did on, you? <laughs> nah, I didn't practice this week. So <laughs> just give it just give it one shot bro <laughs> yo dots up everybody dots up dots up I'm, a, I'm putting on a t-shirt now <laughs> yo dots up dots up. up i like it but yeah you can find us on twitter off the rip underscore pod you can find us on ig off the rip dot podcast yeah, yeah we have a gmail use a little, well, use a little weak in the knees with that last one bro dots up Dots up, baby. Dots up, baby. Dots up. This has been another episode of Off the Rip. It's too late for you. It's too late for me. The game ain't fair. I don't make the rules. But if you break free and nobody care, the worst thing to do is forget about where you